Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is Adam. I am the volunteer coordinator here at DHC. Thanks so much for taking a, a moment out of your Sunday to join us at our 9 a.m. service. Uh, we think today is going to be a powerful day. We heard a lot of comments and feedback just on last week and the different take that we did on the parable, and we think today is going to be hopefully much of the same. So we titled this series, Read Between the Lines, because what we're doing in this series is we're stepping back and we're evaluating and we're diving in at a detailed level and we're taking a look at some of the parables, I'll talk about those in a second, that were told while Jesus was here on the earth. And I wanna talk about Jesus for a second, and I'm gonna do this every week that I get to present in this series, just so we can talk about Jesus and who we believe at Downtown Harbor Church that Jesus is, so that we have a context for who told the story that we're gonna talk about here today during the message at DHC. So we just believe, and by the way, maybe you're here today and you're new to church or you're trying to figure out the whole church thing, or maybe you've been disenfranchised by church and they've hurt you and you're coming back. And many of us have been through that in our life, but we just believe here at downtown Harbor church, something is true about Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The Messiah was this prophesized kind of savior that would come. And should we believe in this Messiah that we would be made right with God, the father, the creator of the universe? Should we say yes, asking he, the Messiah into our heart and life, following after him, that we would be made right in some supernatural, miraculous way that we're not sure that we even understand, but we believe it. We would be made right with God, the father, that, that Jesus is the Messiah that he is the risen savior to a broken world, a world that so desperately needed his message, that so desperately needed that message of restoration and redemption. And these stories that Jesus taught, because one of the cool things about Jesus here on earth during his ministry, during his time, which is historically documented in the Bible, is that Jesus, when he taught, he taught in story stories that transcended time. In fact, last week we talked about these stories that they were both timeless and timely, that they transcended time and actually apply to our time today just as much as they did in the time when Jesus taught them. But these stories that he used were actually fiction. And it's important for us to understand that going in because many Christians are confused about this. Like for example, last week we told the story of the Good Samaritan and I'll have conversations with Christians and we'll talk about theology and we'll talk about stories and scripture. And I'll have people say to me, remember in the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan when that guy was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho and he got beat up? I wonder what it was like back then. It was made up. It wasn't real even though our minds can go to a place where we do think it's real because of how true the story is. Even though it wasn't actually true, it was fiction. Oh boy, was it certainly so true. And the message behind it was transformative and revolutionary. So today, as we were talking about this series and what parables that we would present in this series, I really wanted the opportunity to speak on potentially what I believe is the most powerful parable that Jesus ever told. And that was the parable of the prodigal son. Now, 
Many times people come into church or they've maybe heard about this story from a distance. Probably if you've never even been in church before, you've heard the phrase, the prodigal son returns, right? It'll be like what happens when John comes back after I'm done in a couple of weeks, the prodigal son returns. And it's this, this idea that this person has come home. And, and a lot of times we say it and we don't really know what it means. And we're like, I wonder, you know, I, I've heard this. I, you, I, I say this, I maybe even talk about this, but what does this really mean? In fact, some of us have heard this story a lot, but we've never really let it sink in. We've never stepped back and evaluated this story. Well, I, I'm just going to tell you right now that we are gonna take a look at this story from a number of different perspectives today. But this story, this time that we're gonna spend together today has the opportunity to change your life right where you're at. And it not only has the opportunity to change your life, it has the opportunity to help guide you and teach you how to live your life right where you're at. And so if you have a Bible, you can certainly open it with us uh, to the book of Luke chapter 15. We're gonna be in that a decent amount today. Um, if not, you can follow along on your phone should you choose to do that. But at Downtown Harbor Church, the scripture is always on the screens. So if you don't have that, that's completely okay. But in the book of Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, it's a lot of scripture today. So stay with me. We're going to evaluate and look at what Jesus said in the parable of the prodigal son. So let's begin. Jesus continued, he was already talking, but I don't have time to go into what happened before this. If you want to explore it on your own, please go ahead. But Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son, the, excuse me, the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Let me stop because a lot just happened in three sentences, Okay. Let me just zone in on this for a second and guide you along what happened here. Basically, there was a guy with two sons, older son, younger son. And the son said to the father, hey, dad, basically what I get when you die, could I have that early? Could I have it now? Now, imagine if you're a father in the room, one of your children saying that to you. Imagine if you said that to one of your parents. How offensive is this statement? But the scripture is very clear about it. And the story that Jesus told is very clear. He says, so he divided his property between them. He just said, yes. He said, okay, I'll get this done. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had, had his inheritance, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in what? Wild living. Let me summarize again. Father gives the younger son the inheritance that he would have gotten when the father died. Son goes off to a distant country, South Florida, perhaps, and spends his wealth on wild living. Basically, booze and women. Let me summarize it for us. Booze and women. He took his father's inheritance and said, I'm going to go and I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to go and I'm going to basically waste everything because man, that good time that I'm going to have is going to be so good that I can't even think about keeping this, my wealth until later in life. But you want to know what happens when we have a good time? Maybe too much of a good time. Eventually we wake up from that good time. Don't we? Maybe you've been there. I know I've been there. 
And eventually we have to look ourselves in the mirror and go, now what? It goes on, it says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. Scripture continues and it says, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He was so down on his luck. He was so desperate for some type of future. His stomach was just growling that he was willing to eat the pods that the pigs ate and no one would give him anything. Do you see the picture that Jesus is painting here? We'll talk about that in a second. But look at what Jesus is doing. He is setting up someone who has lost everything. And he says, when he came to his senses, he said to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Light bulb went off. Wait a second. And we don't know how long this period of time was, by the way. We don't know if it was days or weeks or month, the sp- months. The scripture is not specific on this. But here's what I do know. A light bulb went off when this younger son had kind of lost everything. Didn't have anything left. Like poof. A poof of smoke, it was gone. A son went and wasted everything he had been given. So let's talk about this for a second. I want to put us into this because one of the things I love about the parables that Jesus told and taught was that every single one of them, if you were to read them 2,000 years ago and in present time, they all relate to us. And I believe in this specific story that we can relate to every character in a different way. So let's talk about the younger brother for a second, asking for his inheritance early, going off and partying, blowing it all. See, what I love about this is he had an opportunity. He could have taken what he was given and done something powerful with it, maybe even miraculous with it, maybe changing the world around him, but he wasted it. Have you ever wasted an opportunity? Think about your own life. Have you ever sat back and wasted an opportunity when someone gave you something? Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was an inheritance. Maybe it was a large sum of money that you were going to go out and do something with. And you thought, this is my chance. This is my time. But all of a sudden, sin and temptation and those things, which I've called booze and women in our life, because they're different for everybody, kind of creep in. And then we go, what happened? How did I get here? How did I get to this moment in my life? Maybe you're down on your luck. Maybe maybe you've done some things and you're like, man, I thought some things were gonna work out. I had an opportunity in front of me and it just didn't. It didn't pan out the way that I thought it would. Maybe you're at a low and what you've gone through has led you to an emotional low. And you're just like, I can't fight anymore. I know I screwed up, but I'm tired of being beat up. I can't even get a meal. I I, I don't even know what to do. Maybe you're at a low. Maybe you're at rock bottom. Maybe there's some of you in this room today that we don't even know about. 
Because how many things are going on in people's lives that we don't know about? A lot. Maybe that's you and you're going, I I don't know what this is going to look like for me in the future, but today I'm at rock bottom. I'm emotionally, physically spent. Maybe you're not there today, but you've been there and you're thinking back to that moment in your life where you experienced that, where you just kind of woke up and you said to yourself, what am I going to do? What am I going to do after this circumstance? What am I going to do? I've screwed up so bad and I've screwed up so poorly that how would my family even ever consider taking me back? How would they react if they found out what I did? What if the law finds out what I did? How can I redeem myself? What does this look like? Maybe you're there. Maybe, man, you've been through some rough times and that thing that I just said, like a Band-Aid coming off, just peeled off some trauma. It's okay. Because what I love about this is that Jesus was not done with this story. In fact, this was only the first part of the story. Someone who had squandered their wealth and wasted it in wild living. But then he had an idea. He said, maybe I can go back back to my father and maybe i can actually ask to be a servant and this time in these times it would have been known as a slave to his father and i can even eat at that point because they're living better than i am currently living with the pigs trying to eat the pods i don't even know what the pig pod is like whatever it is it doesn't sound good if you know what a pig pod is i would love to find out after the service how you found out But here's what he goes on and says. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. You see the admittance here? This is so interesting. Don't miss this. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he's got this idea. I'm going to go back to dad. I wonder what this is going to be like. Because I'll bet there's a lot of people in this room who think that if they were the ones who spent their inheritance and wasted it, going back to dad might be something really scary. The scripture says, so he got up and went to his father. He basically said, I've hit rock bottom. I got nothing left. I'm going to die if I stay out here. If this continues the way that it's going, I'm not even going to survive this. I physically can't even survive this. That's how bad it's gotten. That's how much I've sinned. That's how much I've wasted. I'm done. So he gets up and he says, I'm going to go beg for forgiveness. I'm going to go beg my father for forgiveness because I've wronged him so much. So let's stop for a second. I just want to land here and allow us to reflect because I think that's important for us to do this. Maybe you've been here. Maybe you're the son that's lost everything. But let's think about this from a different perspective. Maybe you're not the son who lost everything. Maybe you're the father and someone wronged you. In fact, somebody wronged you really bad. Maybe it's a sister 
Maybe it's an aunt, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend. Man, they backstabbed you. Maybe you didn't give them money and they lost it all, but maybe it was something cold. Maybe they trashed you at work. Maybe it was an affair with a spouse. I don't know what it was, but who are you today as you listen to this? Because Jesus told the story so that we could all relate to it. Are you the younger son? Are you the father? Because there's about to be in the, a moment in this story which is completely revolutionary and transformative. And if we open our eyes and minds and hearts to what happens next and choose to embrace it and live in the way that Jesus taught us to live during this story, that, oh boy, everything would be different. Scripture goes on. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So I just want to kind of set the tone here for the rest of the message, and I just want to have a moment, because I don't know if you're like me and you can kind of feel the tension in the room, because it's thick. You could almost cut it with a knife because this moment is so big. In fact, if you know anything about me, you might know that I'm not an emotional person. I generally don't ever get those feelings of welling up. It's something that I just don't do. Some people will tell you I lie about that. I don't believe that. That's just not something I do. But even as I read that, I feel something welling up in my spirit to go, what a miraculous example. A father whose son betrayed him and went off and squandered his wealth, decided to come back. And the scripture says that the father was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Like, I'm a new parent still. I consider myself a new parent because I'm under two years in for being a parent. Like, I can't imagine going through this as the father. Like, I'm over my child when she gets drool on the couch. And, and this, like, and there are just little things that parents, if, if, as you experience this, you're like, I'm done with you, child. Like, I don't know, like, you don't talk to me for 10 minutes because I'm over, over little, little stuff. But here's a father whose son betrayed the family and then came back and asked for forgiveness. And without thinking, the father embraced him. Scripture goes on. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Yes, you have, boy. Get in the woodshed, right? Okay. It's not what he said. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. What did the father say next? This is where it gets interesting. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Historically, this meant a lot in ancient Jewish culture. That is why Jesus used this example as he was telling the story. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. 
bone-in ribeyes for everybody. Let's go. Let's have a party because my son has returned home. The father showed unconditional forgiveness even though he was wrong. Jesus used this as an example to a broken world for what he does every single time that we go off the deep end, we do wrong, and we come running back. The Father, historically, is an example of Jesus Christ to a broken world. Every time that we waste everything and are down on our luck and are at rock bottom and we come coming back, there he is just like the father to that prodigal son. And I think that it's so interesting that the father in that moment showed unconditional forgiveness. Do you know what unconditional means? Forgiveness with no conditions. He didn't say to the son, at least the scripture doesn't tell us that he did, I'll forgive you, but let's talk about this again. Now, some other things may have gone on that we don't know about, but remember, this is fiction. So Jesus told this story for a reason. And the father embraced his son the moment that he saw him. How many of you, when you express forgiveness in your life, when someone asks for it, do it with conditions. Mm, I'm going to forgive, but I'm actually going to reach out my hand and maybe we can have a relationship again. But, hey, if you're married, I'm going to forgive, but I'm going to bring it up once every couple weeks. Ooh, been there? Like I've been there. I'm speaking from experience that is unwise, okay? Like that is not something that you want to do because here's the deal. It doesn't, really, it doesn't really help. What does it do to forgive? But remember when you did that to me? Remember when you did that to me? Remember when you did that to me? That's not forgiveness. That's beating a drum and reminding someone of something dumb that they did that doesn't help anyone experience restoration and redemption. The father is an example of not only how Jesus views every single one of us, but how we could view a broken world daily. As soon as someone turns their life and says, I wronged, I, I, I did something dumb, I, 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 I wanna make it right. Younger son, father, but did you remember back to the first part of the story? That the father had how many sons? Two. There's someone else in this story who we haven't even talked about yet. There's someone else in this story who is crucial. And Jesus explored this character after the redemption of the son to help us understand this concept even more. And that person in the story is the older brother. I love this moment in the story and it's not because it makes the older brother look good. It's because this is so stark and so apparent for how we as followers of Jesus, should we choose to cross that line of faith, should act. 
Luke chapter 15 goes on and it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. The servant replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. If you've never heard this story before, you want to guess what happens next? Let's just put it this way. The older brother wasn't as happy as the father. And in certain circumstances, when someone experiences redemption, we're generally not as happy as we should be. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Basically, the older brother, brother said, hey, what about me? What about what I've done? What about what I've done for you? And he wasted everything and betrayed you and this is what he gets? What about me? Let's, go, let's see exactly what he says. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. He says the word slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when, okay, but when this son of yours, by the way, when you are a parent and the husband or wife starts referring to each other, to the child as like, that's your daughter, that's not good. I just want to give everybody that heads up. Like, and because and, then you go, well, that's your daughter. Go, go, go get your daughter, please. Like that's seeds of bad things. Just a red flag for everybody, okay? But when this son of yours, here's the older brother going, you, this, this your son, say my brother, right? When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, told you there was women involved, just took a little bit, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? This son of yours, this lowlife, this degenerate, this reject went out and wasted it all and you come back, put a ring on its finger, go and kill the fattened calf for him? What about me? What about what I did for you? Oh boy, there's a problem here. I just think that Jesus teaches such an important lesson through the older brother. And I think he just teaches that following after him is the complete opposite of selfishness. When you follow after Jesus, you say yes to following after him and no to yourself. Furthermore, about redemption, furthermore, when someone experiences redemption, I just believe that Jesus wants all of us to know wherever we're at in this spectrum, older brother, father, younger brother, I just believe he wants us to know something. When you experience redemption, others aren't always happy about it. In fact, they're rarely happy about it. The older brother is the epitome of the legalistic Christian somebody who did the right thing. And by the way, doing the right thing is good. It will save you a lot of hassle in life. If you make wise decisions, put one foot in front of the other, following after Jesus, doing what he says, your life will be better and you will be better at life. But when you don't, what he's telling us is you can always come home, but not everybody when you come.
is going to be thrilled that you're back. In fact, they'll rarely be, rarely be thrilled that you're back. He goes on, he says, my son, the father said, speaking to the older brother, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. He goes on, but we had to celebrate and be glad. Look at this next line. I never noticed it until I wrote this message this week because this brother of yours, ooh, like the ultimate burn back, right? The, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Don't forget this is your brother, your blood. He's back. He was dead and now he's alive. So in this story, which I think is so powerful and so interesting, let's do something here at the downtown Harbor Church. Let's read between the lines. Boy, what a great line that is, isn't it? Just a real John special right there. So let's just take a look couple of these characters in this story. Let's take a look at the younger brother real quick. I want to talk about how this relates to us. I want you to know this. Here and now, in this time at Downtown Harbor Church, I want you to know something on behalf of our organization. I believe that you should do everything you can to make wise choices. I believe that you should do everything you can to follow after God. I believe that. But I also want you to know this, no matter how bad it is, you can always come home. You always have a place here. No matter which road you go down, we stand here, hopefully just like the older father did with open arms. You can always come home. That is the central message to the story of Jesus Christ that you can go down a path that isn't good. You can make unwise decisions. You can do things that you don't want to do, but we just believe, at least for the first time in my lifetime, that we've always wanted to be a church where you can always, always, always come home. Let's talk about the Father. Here's just a couple of things I think about the Father that I think we can learn from him in this story. Number one, be quick to forgive. Man, be so quick to forgive. Do you know when you hold on to unforgiveness, what it does to you, holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It ruins you, not them. Be quick to forgive. If you're married and you want to stay married, be quick to forgive. Let it go. Move on. That's what I think we can learn from the Father. That as we look at the way that the younger brother lived that life and came back, the father said, I don't care. Now, was there probably some damage control that happened? Was there some things that the son had to reconcile eventually? Sure, because we don't know the rest of the story. But the father forgave him, just like Jesus does to us, should we allow him to come into our life every single day. And then let's talk about the older brother. You know what the older brother was in that moment? Man, such an emotion that can destroy you if you let it. It was destroying him. The older brother was jealous. Jealousy is a raw and powerful 
emotion. Don't miss this. Jealousy is so raw and so powerful. And a lot of times when we talk about jealousy, we put a house on the screen or a car on the screen or stories on this, or I'm sorry, excuse me, clothes on the screen for you to actually look at. Jealousy is so much deeper than that. Jealousy is you actually being eaten alive by something else someone got who wasn't you. And generally, when I encounter people who experience jealousy, it's rarely a physical possession. It's always emotional. And if we let that land on our heart in life, it can destroy you. It can destroy you from the inside out. So at Downtown Harbor Church, every single week, we put a word on the screen, and we put this word on the screen, and we ask this question. And what we do is, is we say, what's the practical? Because what we want to do is actually have a conversation and say, what can we do to put into practice what we've heard on Sunday, on Monday? Well, I want to do something real quick that we don't normally do during the practical, but I think it's so important. And I want to put up a picture. Um, this picture is of a table. Dining room table, kitchen table. In fact, historically, this actual picture was taken during ancient Israeli times, and I pulled it from the archives and put it on the screen. That's supposed to be a little joke there. <laughs> but I, I stepped back and I looked at this picture a lot this week. And as you look at it, I want you to think of your life like this table, what would happen if we looked at our life like this table and we said this in our own heart? Hey, wherever you go, whatever you do, you are loved. By the way, you do dumb things, you make unwise decisions, you don't follow after Jesus, there are a lot of consequences for your actions. Trust me, that's an aside. But wherever you go, whatever you do, you are loved. And you always, always, always have a seat at my table. What if you lived your life like that? That no matter where you went, no matter what you went through, no matter how bad it got, this seat right here, that's for you. And it's never going away. That's the essence of the story of the prodigal son. The father said to him, it doesn't matter where you go or what you do or how bad it got. My son, you are welcomed here. I know that God is working in your heart and in your life this morning. How, I don't know, but he knows and you know. I just have one thing left to say. Live your life like everyone has a seat at your table. If you lived that way, you watch God change a world. You watch others look at you as the people who may have wronged you experience redemption. That's the parable of the prodigal son. It worked 2,000 years ago. It meant something massive back then. And oh boy, it could mean something today here 
and now as we experience life and as we exist in culture and as we wade through relationships every single day. Live your life like everyone has a seat at your table. Let me pray for us. Father, for who you are, God, we are so thankful. God, we've been talking about some tough stuff here at DHC, but some stuff that matters, some stuff that is so important. And God, would you please guide us? Lord, would you help each one of us to process this as we go through the day? God, in this room right now, I know that you are working through hearts and lives in ways that we don't even necessarily understand. But every person in this room was hit today by this story in a different way. Work, move mightily. Holy Spirit, would you fill this space? Would you allow us to be consumed by you as we work through this? And then God, help us to act on what you want our heart to do. Jesus, when you told this story so many thousands of years ago, it was a story that really showed what you are to a world that so desperately needed it. May we today, here and now, to carry that forward to a culture that needs it. May we be you standing with arms wide open to individuals who want to come home. We love you. We thank you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.